Welcome, everyone. This is Michael Blue, and you've connected to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, the podcast, where we are cultivating makers and shapers of culture. Prepare for a riveting time in the principles and practices of the King and of His Kingdom. You are about to be charged, challenged, and changed. I know you're ready. Let's go. Father, we honor you for the privilege of coming together with your people. We know that without you, we are nothing, and we know that without you, we can't do nothing. So we look to you. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. We ask your God to let your hand of mercy and grace rest upon us and abound toward us. Your word said, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Father, on this day where many educators, many educators and even many students are resuming their positions in the formal education system and process, we ask your God that you would continue your grace toward them. We pray, Lord, that you'll keep them secure physically, <clears throat> that you'll keep them safe from the virus and from infections and uh, spreading of this uh, plague, that you would cover them, that you would be a shield, the shield round about them. And then not only that, but all the other threats that still exist, that you would cover and keep them in Jesus' name. And then, Father, we pray for uh, every profession and every professional, irrespective of what his or her position is in society. We ask you, God, that you would cover them and keep them. And, oh, God, grant to us greater grace that we will be able to better serve them and better equip them for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And we give you the glory. We give you the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Uh, one of the kinds of <clears throat> one of the kinds of uh, items that we enjoy celebrating um, is the item of promotion, advancement in your profession. I was speaking with um, one of our um, long-term um, participants in FKP, the Monday. FKP. And she was sharing with me that she, in her profession, she is an educator, but this year she has also been called upon to be a mentor. And I got excited. I didn't want to extend the conversation, but I got excited because I thought about our um, extensive discussions about mentorship that we had over the past several months. And so I was really excited about that. And my hope is that something that uh, was shared during that season will undergird her and support her as she takes on this new role as a, a mentor of other professionals. I think that's exciting. All right. Well, also uh, with this being the... Uh, the last month in last full month in the summer and uh, the last full month before we go into the last quarter of the year, we talked about the fact uh, in the first session this morning that most of the observances that we see are not um, very deep, serious uh, kinds of observances. Most of them are rather lighthearted. This month is Admit your happy month, family fun month, catfish month, uh, picnic month, peach month. You understand those are rather lighthearted, um, but there are some serious uh, elements. Uh, eye exam month, golf month, those who are uh, into golf, although that could seem lighthearted. But as we know, golf is a multi-billion dollar industry and uh as it's been stated, many of the most important business decisions that affect many of us are made on the golf course. So that's very serious. Romance Awareness Month. Uh, romance typically or characteristically can lead to the formation of a family. The family is the basic unit of society. So that's pretty serious. Water Quality Month as well. Then 
there is week one this week, National Simplify Your Life Week. Next week, National Smile Week. Week three, Friendship Week. Week four, Be Kind to Humankind. Yesterday was Friendship Day and International Forgiveness Day. That's powerful. Also, it was Sisters Day. Um, an example of the lighthearted aspect of it is today is Ice Cream Sandwich Day, tomorrow National Watermelon Day. Um, now, the fourth, I omitted uh, this one, actually overlooked this one. The fourth is U.S. Coast Guard Day, Coast Guard. And that's certainly a very serious component of our military. We're grateful for the Coast Guard and for the work that those who are members of the Coast Guard do. So we commend any of you who are Coast Guard uh, active or veteran or you have family members who have been. All right. Very, very good. All right, we're going to go to our discussion. As you know, we are continuing, as many of you would know, we're continuing uh, in our topic, the arc of influence. And we are using the term arc. We're using the term arc, but we could just as easily use the term trajectory. The word trajectory has become very popular over the past couple years. Have you recognized that? I've asked you that question before. Some of you have been with us. Have you recognized that the term trajectory is just a really popular term these days? And uh, so we thought that to keep it from getting bogged down in overuse and cliche, that we would use another illustrative term. The word trajectory means a, the the path of some projectile. It's the, the path of some projectile. And typically, the path of the projectile, even if it is shot or projected or thrust straight up, straight up or diagonally, at some point, the effect of gravity is going to cause it to curve. So whether it's a bullet, or whether it's an arrow or whether it's a jet, whatever it is, if it is thrown, if it is shot, if it is hurled, if it is propelled, the path that it travels is a trajectory. And the velocity may enable it to travel a straight path up or straight path over, but at some point, the effect of gravity is going to cause that path to curve and ultimately to go downward unless there is a force that acts upon this thing that's arcing that 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 moves it back up okay well that's a trajectory the path is a trajectory and that path is typically an arc the arc of influence. What are we saying? We're saying that you have influence and that that influence can increase, can rise. And then there can come a point when that influence can begin to decline. And yet it does not have to decline if there is another force that acts upon that influence to give it more impetus and consequent momentum. It is in the book of Matthew and Mark that we have read. We've read the parable of the sower, Matthew chapter 13, Mark chapter 4. Don't take it lightly. Don't take it lightly because we are referring to some passages of scripture because we're not just giving a typical Bible lesson. We're just using that as foundational. But the, the fact that I need to explain that makes it a little sad because what, what people fail to realize in many instances, in many instances, is that the word of God, rightly divided, has implication in every aspect of our lives. And that includes the professional aspect. Now, those of you that are in the comments, I want you to say if you agree with that, that the word of God, rightly divided, the Bible, rightly interpreted, has relevance in every aspect. In fact, let's go a step further. Let's go a step further. Those of you who have been with us in FKP and you 
can bear witness that the biblical principles have actually had relevance to you and your professional career and uh, delivery and all of that. Put that in the comments so somebody can see it. If we have someone who's newer, they can realize that we're not just here telling Sunday school uh, stories. Nothing wrong with Sunday school stories. But no, we're talking about the relevance of the principle of the kingdom of God to our everyday walk and our everyday world. He is not just the God of Sunday. He is the God of Monday. He is the God of every day. And his word is relevant. His principles are relevant to our money as well as our honey. Okay? Every aspect. Not just hallelujah, shout hallelujah. No, no, no. No. He's God of more than hallelujah. He's God of more than dancing. He not only uh, teaches us to speak in tongues. He teaches us to speak well in English or whatever your necessary language is. All right. So Matthew chapter 13 and Mark chapter 4 record the telling of the parable of the sower. I have heard it referred to as the parable of the soils. Uh, take your pick. But the parable of the sower, the parable of the soils, you know that Jesus says a sower goes forth in souls and that some of the seed falls on uh, uh, wayside ground, some on stony ground, some on thorny ground, and some on good ground. All right. And then he begins to give an interpretation only when his disciples ask him. There are some things that God will never give you an understanding regarding until you ask him. By the way, sometimes when Jesus gives parables of this kind, people will say Jesus gave them parables so that they would understand. He spoke to this agrarian and agricultural people so that they would understand um, that's incorrect. That's incorrect. Jesus did not uh, give them these parables so that they would understand. Let me say it very carefully. Jesus did not tell them these parables so that they would understand. As a matter of fact, he said he talked to them in parables so that they would not understand. But here's, here's what's interesting. He gave them parables, not that they would understand, but that they could understand. Not that they would, but if they would seek after him, they could understand. I don't want to dwell on that because we know the time is always constricted. But remember that in verse 10 of chapter 13, and the disciples came and said unto him, why speakest thou unto them in parables? Verse 11, he answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. Verse 13, verse 13. Therefore, this is why I speak to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. He gives them parables, not that they would understand, but that if they would inquire, they could understand. See what it says when he gave the parable? Let's study the Bible for just a moment. Matthew 13, he gave the parable in verse 3, beginning verse 3, and he went down through verse 8. And then verse 9, he said, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Or in other words, the one who really wants to understand, there's a way for you to understand. In other words, he says, I'm not telling you that if you listen to me, you will understand. I'm saying if you listen to me, you can understand if you seek me further. That's what he's saying. 
So it was not that they would, it's so that they could if they chose to. I'm being technical, but it's necessary because sometimes we gloss over everything and, and make everything everything. And oh, Jesus told stories so that people could relate. No, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. He told, you understand, he, he told those stories so that the understanding would be accessible. But it's only accessed, though it's accessible, it's only accessed if they would press in and ask him, what does that mean? See, he only explained to the disciples when they asked him, what do these things mean? If you read the Matthew, Mark, and Luke account, they came to him afterward and said, hey, what does this mean? That's not the only time. Remember that time when he was leaving the temple and they were showing him how beautiful the temple was? And he said, all this stuff is going to be torn down. The Bible says they came to him as he sat on the Mount of Olives and asked him, tell us when shall these things be? And what should be the sign of that coming of the end of the world? He didn't just automatically say, hey, boys, let me tell y'all how it's going to be. No, 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 no. They came to him. He that have ear and ear to hear. That means you desire to know. You're pressing in to know. And so the whole point in bringing that up is this. There's some things that God will only tell you if you ask him. There's some things God will reveal to you only if you ask him, there's some things that God will give you understanding regarding only if you ask, only if you inquire. He is the consummate gentleman. He will not intrude upon you. Now he is the judge and he is the owner. So he does what he has to do. But beyond that, he's the gentleman. And until you inquire, he's not going to, uh, he's not going to intrude upon you. 13 and 23 has been our, uh, Basis scripture, but he that receives seed into good ground, the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, but also beareth forth fruit and bringeth forth some in hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. When you read the Mark account of the the exact same story, Mark says in chapter four, verse twenty, and these are they which are sown on good ground, uh, which such as hear the word and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Notice that in the Matthew account. He goes 100-fold, 60-fold, 30-fold. Notice that in the market count, he goes 30-fold, uh, 60-fold, 100-fold. Isn't that interesting? I think it's interesting. Why did Jesus go in a different sequence? Why, with one, does he start at 100 and step downward? And with one, he starts at 30 and goes upward. Why is that? Um, all right. So when we, when we study the uh, parable, again, we've got four kinds of soil. Soil is earth, correct? Earth. And earth represents humankind. Remember that God called the first man earth. He called the first human being, male and female, earth. Adam or Adam is earth. And so when we look at four soils, we're looking at humankind. We're not just looking at dirt. We're looking at humanity, not because we are only dirt. We're not only dirt, but dirt is our domain. That is the earth is our base of operations. So he doesn't just call us earth because we have physical earth houses, though we do, but he calls us earth because earth is our domain. Earth is our sphere of primary influence, primary sphere of influence. You have that? And so when he says the sower sows the seed, remember this, we talked about the fact that interpreting, um, when we interpret uh, the uh, parables, that there are two ways that that this parable may be legitimate interpreted, uh, interpreted or given interpretation. Forgive me for speaking uh, too quickly there. Okay. The verb is interpret, not interpretate. Did you hear that? Let me say it again. The verb is interpret, not interpretate. Okay. Interpretation is the noun version uh, derived from the verb interpret. It's almost like conversate. Have you heard anybody say that I want to sit and conversate with you? 
technically, technically, that's not um, that's not accurate. Let's converse, and then if we converse, we'll have a conversation. But we didn't conversate. Now you know people use uh, 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 use a a misusage long enough, and it becomes standardized. But initially, it was converse, not conversate. Well, same thing is true with interpret. It is interpret, not interpretate. We're kingdom professionals. We, we, we want to know, right? We want to be articulate. I want to be articulate. Okay, so here we go. Uh, Jesus says that there are four soils or four kinds of soil. And he tells us that the wayside soil, let's start there. The wayside soil is the place where the seed falls. The seed falls and the birds come and get it. Uh, 13 and 4. And when he sold, some seeds fell by the wayside and the fowls came and devoured them up. Got it? And Jesus said, um, he said this, he said, that represents the, we know the seed is the word, right? The seed is the word. Uh, 13, 19. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth the, catcheth the way that which was sown in his heart. And then Mark, that was the Matthew, the Mark account. Mark chapter four. Um, verse 15. Well, 14, the source soweth the word. So the seed is the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Okay. So listen to this. The word in English is word, W-O-R-D. But the word, translated word, from the Hebrew is logos. L-O-G-O-S. Remember, the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Now, there's one God. There's one God. Uh, the Bible tells us, hear, O Israel, uh, Deuteronomy 6 and 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord and thou shalt love the Lord with all thy heart, soul, mind. So that's, that's the great declaration of monotheism, one God. And yet the one God is revealed to us as having three distinctions in his being. Uh, not three modes. We're not modalists, contrary to what some people have, have made uh, of some parts of the body of Christ. No, no, no. There are three eternal distinctions within his one eternality. He is the Father and he is the Son. He is the Holy Ghost at the same time. Father, Son, and Son is also word of God and Holy Ghost at the same time. One God, though, not three gods. One God. And uh, however, when we have sometimes, sometimes when people have talked about the triune nature of God, they've made the statement. We talked about that this morning. The statement, he was the Father in creation. He was the son in redemption, and he is the Holy Ghost in the church today. That sounds great, but that's an oversimplification. It's an oversimplification, and to the extent that it's an oversimplification, it is somewhat erroneous, because the implication is that God the Father did the creating, God the Son did the redeeming, you know, died on the cross and so forth, and God the Holy Ghost does the regeneration, the saving. Well, Let's go back to that creation part. The scripture says, in the beginning was the word. All right, stop right there. John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word. Stop right there. Verse 14 says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now we almost readily identified then the word and the word made flesh. 
That's the man Christ Jesus. That's the one that we call son of God, right? But according to the scripture, this son of God did not begin to exist when he took on flesh. Go back to the verse. In the beginning was the word. The word was or existed with God, concurrent with God. And the word was God. The same was, and, and it really helps if you understand the word was there to mean existed. In the beginning existed the word. And the word existed with God and the word existed God. That's what was means, exist. Verse two, the same was or the same existed in the beginning with God. Verse three, verse three, all things were made by him. Him who? The word. The word who later was made flesh. All things were made by him. Somehow in the mystery and the majesty and the magnificence and the beauty of God, the father purposes creation, but it is the son who performs the creation. I, I can't explain it. I can't explain it because he's one God. But that's exactly what happened. I quoted it this morning, Hebrews chapter one, beginning of verse one, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past uh, unto the fathers by the prophets have in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things. Look at this now. That's the future. He's, you know, well, actually present and future. But look at it. By whom also he made the worlds. By whom? By whom? That is by the son. The father also made the worlds. And so we can't deny that although he's one God, his distinctions perform distinctly, differently. All right. So, so, so uh, the Logos is the one we identify as the man Christ Jesus. And and the reason why that's important, let me tell you why that's important, because the word translated word where Jesus said the seed of the word is Logos. What does that suggest? It suggests that the Logos put a measure of himself in each one of the soils. God made an investment in humanity. God, the sower, makes an investment of himself, the Logos, into humanity. The Logos, capital L, takes aspects of himself. I, I knew I was going, I knew I had somebody who's a computer specialist on it. The Lord, either the Lord told me or my common sense told me, but somebody told me there's somebody that's got a word about this, uh, about this battery. Thank you, Brother Covington. Is everybody clear? All right. I'm going to say it one more time. The capital L Logos, that's why we have professionals. The capital L Logos gave a measure of his lowercase l Logos every human being. See, notice, he did not put the seed in just the good ground. Now, you know, the good ground, those are the people who end up being saved. But he didn't just put his seed in the good ground. He put the seed in all four. Ah, Brother Blue, what are you saying? I'm saying... That, that same book of John, chapter 1 and verse 9, says that Jesus is the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Not every saint, every human. Every human being is given an aspect of God's own beauty, God's own magnificence. Uh Elder Porsche pointed out, and he's exactly right, the term is communicable attributes of God. Now, attribute, of course, that means characteristics. Communicable means those that he can share. There's some aspects of God, of God's uh, character and God's ability, of God's essence that he can't share. Because to do that, he'd have to make another God. And even God can't make another God. Right? There's some things God can't do. You know that, of course. The Bible explicitly says, can't lie. Says he changes not. Right? 
we know that um, he cannot deny himself. Number of places the Bible says God can't do certain things. And, and one of the things he can't do is that he cannot create another God. God cannot create another God. Right? See, God cannot create another God because by definition, God is uncreated. And so if God created another God, that being would not be God. He'd be a creature. A creature is the product of creation. So there's some things God can't do. All right. So, but God does have certain communicable attributes. He can't make us God, but he can make us godly. Okay. He cannot make us eternal, but he can give us eternal life. That makes sense. And so he cannot make us the capital C creator that belongs to the Logos. But what he does is that he gives us creativity, lowercase c. You got it? So he is the creator. He makes us lowercase c creative. He is Lord, capital L, of Lords, lowercase l. We are not capital L, but we can be lowercase l. What I'm trying to tell you is that James 1.17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. I'm telling you that if you sing, or if you draw, or if you speak, or if you write, or if you organize, or if you plan, or if you design, if you calculate, if you reason, if you prognosticate, if you medicate, if you adjudicate, if you calculate, if you transact, if you are an analyst, if you are a strategist, if you are a therapist, if you are a man or woman of military might, if you have sports prowess, whatever you have, it is an attribute of God. It is an, it is a lowercase L logos that was imparted into you by the capital L logos. We have cosmetologists on here. We have cosmetologists on here. Well, our God is the creator of the cosmos. Okay? And he has given you an aspect of his own creativity. I use that illustration. I think it's 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 a nice little one that when people go to see the cosmetologist, a lot of times the reason why they do it is because their hair is all out of order, right? And they go in there with their hair out of order and sometimes their head out of order. And the cosmetologist takes what's out of order and puts it in order. Well, the Greek term for a system out of order is chaos. Okay. The Greek term for a system in order is cosmos. In other words, the cosmetologist takes chaos and transforms it, fries it, dyes it and lays it to the side, cosmos. That's why she's called, or he's called, cosmetologist. They're taking chaos and making it into cosmos, taking disorder and putting it into order. Well, where do you get that from? Where do you get that from? Oh, I got that from Betty Stevens. Where'd you get that from? I got that from the beauty school. No, you didn't. Not ultimately. You know where you got that from? You got that from Genesis chapter one and verse one. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, verse 2, and the earth was tohu vabohu. That's what it says in the Hebrew. <laughs> it, says, it says, and the earth was tohu vabohu. Uh, uh, the Hebrews still use that term these days. It means tore from the floor. It means messed up. That's what it means, okay? The earth was without form and void. 
Tohu Babohu. Listen to what it says. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. And God said, let there be light. Or in other words, what God did is that he took chaos and changed it into cosmos. God is the first cosmetologist. <laughs> you didn't hear what I said? I said, God, I got to get back on this lesson. God is the first capital C cosmetologist. All you folk with these shops and these places of business, you owe a debt of gratitude to the one who created you because he imparted to you his cosmetological logos. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Do you know that in order for you to have cosmetology, You've got cosmet, and then you've got ology. Study it. It's got logos in it. I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to tell you. He. It is as if he. Uh, it is as if he broke off a piece of himself. Uh, I think I just read where. Uh, and 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 it's not. A, I don't think it's original with her, but she just uh, tweeted a few minutes ago, an hour or so ago. Uh, Doctor Trim said that you're a masterpiece because the master broke off a piece. That's exactly right. That, that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. That's what we're teaching. That's what we're teaching. The capital L Logos Bishop Hayes broke off a piece. He's the first cosmetologist. And if you don't want to go with me there, then you got to go with me over to Psalm 149, where the Bible said God said, talking about cosmetologists, he said, I will beautify the meat with salvation. God takes salvation and gives you a makeover, except he gives you a make-under that becomes a makeover. He's the original cosmetologist. Go ahead, Sonia Blue, been a, a hairstylist for over 30 years. You didn't know you were following Jesus the whole time. <laughs> yes, sir. Come on with it. <laughs> Come on, saints and non-saints alike. See, Bishop Knight, this is the part that the devil does not want people to understand. He wants them to think that all God is concerned about is you shout. They don't know that God is the master cosmetologist. They don't know that when they are doing cosmetology, they're acting like their creator. They don't know. Wait, wait, wait. If he's the first cosmetologist, then that means that the more I learn of his principles, the more he can build me as a professional. And hey, before he builds you as a professional, he's going to rebuild you as a person. Because you are no more powerful or professional than you are personally. It is the underlying person that brings forth the pure beauty of the profession. Okay, let's let's go. So when again we are interpreting this parable cosmetologically, excuse me, cosmologically. I'm into cosmetics still. Cosmologically, not soteriologically. You already know how this parable works. Soteriologically, that is pertaining to being saved from sin. The soteriological interpretation of this parable. The soteriological interpretation of this parable saves you from sin. The cosmological interpretation of this parable saves you from purposelessness. Okay. The soteriological interpretation teaches us how the word saves us from sin, saves us from hell and destruction. You follow? But the cosmological interpretation of this parable saves us from purposelessness. A word, a, a world and a life 
devoid of meaning and significance, validity and purpose. People need to be saved from the hell to come. But people also need to be saved from the hell that is now. And many of the perverse actions that we see people taking in their lives today is because they are in hell, on their way to hell. And then there are some saints who are in hell while on their way to heaven because they understand the soteriological implications of such a text, but they do not understand the cosmological. They understand God's soteriology in part, in narrow, but they don't understand God's cosmology, that God does not just have a future for you. God has a present for you. Hey, excuse me. I said, God doesn't just have a future for you. He has a gift for you called a present. And you will not understand the power of the present which shapes your future if you do not understand this cosmologically. Now, I promised that I was going to say something uh, 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 in this discourse in the first session, and we're about to run out of time, so let me go to it. He said that God makes an investment in all of humanity. The first, the first condition that God finds humanity in is wayside. Now, I gave you, I gave you the illustration that if you are, um, if, if you know anything about gardening or anything about farming, if you drive by the field where the plants are growing, you'll notice that the hardest part of the field is on the edges. And where are the edges? Right beside the highway. The high what? Way. The high what? Way. The highway. The highway. The highway. Some fell by the way side. He's talking about they fell by the street. This, this ground is the ground. This humanity, this soil is the humanity that's closest to the street. And I told the group this morning that the part of you that God has the hardest time dealing with putting that seed in there is the part of you that's still close to the street. Wayside, close to the street. See, I know many of you are saved, but there's still some thinking that we derive from the street. Our view of men, our view of women, our view of sex, our view of money, straight street. Oh yeah, you hold it down in your spirit, but straight street in your mind. Anybody understand what I'm saying? See, I, I know you. I know you deeply, sweetly sanctified. I know it, but. There's still some street there. And the Bible says that the seed that was planted in the soil close to the street never did accomplish anything. The Bible says the birds ate it. And I think the mark account says immediately. Okay? See, if you're going to be a kingdom man, you got to eliminate that street in you. See, there's some people, they save, but they are alive. They get pressed. That's street. Preach. They'll cuss you out. They get pressed. That's street. Love the Lord, but they'll go off into some impure dealings because there's still some street. Well, you get it. And uh, the Bible says, that um, the birds ate it. And the birds represent the devil, according to Jesus. And so look now, if the seed is the word and the birds are the devil, then the Bible said the devil stole the word. That's what he said. Our time's almost gone, friends. Y'all pray. 
13 and 19. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth the way back which was sold in his heart. Let's read the Mark account. It's, it's, it's absolutely right. Let's just read the Mark account. Mark says that Jesus said, verse 15, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Here's what I want to know. Here's what I want to know. How is the devil able, Satan able, to take away the word? How can the devil handle the word? That's where we stopped this morning in the first session. How can the devil steal the word? Shall we pause and pick this up next week? You know, we'll be back, God willing, next week. Shall we pause and pick this up next week? Because we're almost out of time. Uh, let me just say a little more, and we'll have to close. Here's how the devil steals the word. He does not steal the capital L Logos. And he does not necessarily even steal the lowercase L Logos. But here's what he steals. He steals the outcome. He steals the benefit. Listen, he steals what might have been. That's what he steals. He steals what might have been. You see? When you don't understand the weight of what God has deposited in your life, what the Bible say? He sold the word of the kingdom. He hears the word of the kingdom. He receives the word of the kingdom, but he doesn't understand it. And I want to tell you, my dear friends, that almost every one of you under the sound of my voice right now still do not fully understand the magnitude of the seed of God that he has deposited in your spirit. Some of us have some good clues, but the vast majority of us still do not understand, do not comprehend, do not grasp the magnitude of what God has put in us. The majority of you who mentor others, tell me if I'm lying, the majority of you who teach others, the majority of you who try to encourage, encourage and uplift others, one of your main problems with them is that they don't see the potential. They don't see the possibility. What is a possibility? What is a potential? It's seed. Seed is potential. The word of God in you as potential. The ability of God in you as potential. One of the hardest challenges, one of the hardest discussions that you'll have with anybody that you're responsible to teach is to get him or her to be still long enough so you can help them see the scope of what God has deposited in their life. Either they minimize it or they distort it. Either they don't think they have anything or they think that they have so much, but the so much they think they have is really not their destiny. They're about to make a fool of themselves. They don't understand the seed. Seed is possibility. Seed is potential. Seed is promise. When God says, I put my seed in you, he said, I put my possibility in you. I put my potential in you. I put my promise in you. I put my destiny in you. I put my ability in you. I put my capacity in you. Are you listening to what I'm saying? He says, and when God has put that in you and you don't understand it, the devil steals what you could have been. He steals what you could have done. He steals what you could have known. He steals what you could have accomplished. He steals the you that the world will never know 
because the you that you are refuses to open up and allow the you that God ordained to come out of the shell that is encasing the seed. Thank you for being with us today. I hope you've been benefited. If you think it is beneficial, I would encourage you to please take this Facebook uh, video and share it with someone else. Share it with, with people. Um, maybe somebody that you're trying to encourage. Maybe somebody that you're trying to get to see what we're talking about here. And we're just getting started on the parable. We, everything we've talked about prior has been getting us ready for this moment. The arc of influence. Until we meet again, this is Michael Bull, the Fellowship of King Professionals, saying to you, go forth today and lead. Make the name of Jesus Christ glorious. Make the career of Satan brief and miserable. Together, let us bring pleasure to Christ's heart. Let us bring fame to his name. Listen to me. Listen to me. You ask God to help you to understand what's in that seed that he deposited in your soil. The seed in your soil. The devil is a lie. There is no empty soil. There's seed there. But what will you do to appropriate the promise of that potential? God bless you. We love you. We believe in you. And we believe in the God who created you with a measure of his own logos in you. Until we meet again, may the peace of God evermore. Thank you for listening to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, FKP, the podcast. If you'd like more engagement, click the link in the show notes to join like-minded professionals in the FKP Facebook group. Follow us at Bishop M.A. Blue on all platforms. Also join the FKP Weekly Conversation Live every Monday at 1130 a.m. Eastern on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Finally, be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. May God bless you until we meet again.